see if I can't add something to it. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. The first scripture says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Amen. So why don't we do that for a few seconds and we'll read on, okay? Is that all right? Why don't we rejoice in the Lord? God, we're joyful in your presence right now, Lord. We're joyful in your presence, Jesus. It's so good to be in your house, God. Hallelujah. You're wonderful, Lord. We want to make your name great in the heavens and in the earth, God. We lift you up, Jesus. We lift you up, Jesus. Amen. And then let's take a little bit more instruction and rejoice again in the Lord. Amen. We lift you up, God. Hallelujah. We rejoice again in you, Jesus. How mighty you are, God. There's no, no amount of worship we can do today that would be enough to give to you, God. We love you, Lord, and we rejoice in your presence, God. Amen. Amen. And then in verse 5 it says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, when we say moderation, a lot of times the first thing we think of is doing it in a modest amount. Not doing it overly, but that's actually not what this scripture means. The Greek word for moderation in this scripture is actually better translated as gentleness. And so it's actually saying, let your gentleness be known. Unto all men, for the Lord is at hand. And then verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace, everybody say peace, peace. the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, yes. shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 8 Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. In our key verse today, verse 9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, this is Paul speaking, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So you notice the little colon there after he says that. You do these things that you've seen me do. These things, these things we've practiced in the church. And if you do that, colon, the Lord, the God of peace shall be with you. Verse 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me have flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state that I am, therewith to be content. Yes. Everybody say content. content. Verse 12, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abandon. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Now that's hard to understand. I'm instructed to be both full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then it caps it off, this um, text that we're reading today. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Amen. That's a powerful text right there, isn't it? Yes. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. And we're just going to, for the next few moments, look at what exactly Paul is saying to his church. 
And our title, as you can see in your bulletin, our subject is Let God Work in You. Is there anybody that would love to just let God work in you? Yes, amen. In every way He can. Lord, do whatever you want to do in me. I don't care where I got to go, what I got to do. If it's your will, work in me, God. Amen. Now, you probably heard at some point, maybe you've seen a book along these lines at the store, or you've heard somebody preach along these lines of the subject that we call the power of positive thinking. The power of positive thinking. Right. You know, we believe that in order for somebody to get the most out of their life and to really live for God, it's going to have to be more than just thinking positive. That's not the answer to everything. You can be a happy person and a joyful person and not spend eternity with God. Happiness, joy, and positive thinking is not going to get you to heaven. However, I will say today that there is merit to that. And Paul is promoting this in his scripture here when he begins to talk about whatsoever things are of good report. Right. Think on these things. Now, how many got a bulletin this morning? Got a bulletin this morning? You know what the title of that bulletin that we named it? A few years ago is the good report because nothing you're going to find in that bulletin is going to be a bad report the whole purpose of it is to give you some good things to think on and you see the scripture that's under that there somewhere Philippians chapter 4 and we believe you ought to be thinking on these things that are good if you spend all your time taking in to your spirit things that are troubling, things that are not of God, God's not giving us a spirit of fear. That's right. And you begin to build up these things in your spirit, over time it's going to corrupt the Holy Ghost that was put there, and you're not going to be living according to faith. And so it's essential that we think on things which are good. Now, it's proven it's proven that positive thinking, thinking on things that are good, medically, this isn't Brother Ryan talking, this is doctors talking, will actually increase a person's lifespan. Amen. It decreases the stress that's on their mind, which has an effect on your physical body. And it'll increase your lifespan. It lowers rates of depression. It lowers levels of distress. There's actually, it's medically proven that there is greater resistance to the common cold for somebody who spends more time thinking on good things. Better psychological and physical well-being, better cardiovascular health and reduced risk of death from cardiovascular disease, and better coping skills during hardships and times of stress. Somebody who just takes some instruction from God's Word is healthier. Amen in their body just by doing what God has said. Amen. That's, that's good news for you today. Positive thinking. Uh, now, for some people, this is just all it needs to be. You know, 
There, there's people that will tell you, they'll advertise to you today that if you'll just think positive, you know, you're going to get the promotion and you're going to get this and that. And you can kind of forget about so much else. We need the help of God in all we do. So you know, we can't take it too far today. Just because you think positive doesn't create salvation for you or anything like that. But it is a commandment from God. We ought to think on these things which are good. And only when we have disciplined ourselves. Now that's a hard word. Everybody say discipline. Discipline. Only when we've disciplined ourselves to think on God's truths and goodness of God and good things. Only when we do that are we well positioned to be used of God. We have to open up our minds to things of God. We've got to discipline ourselves to remove ourselves from things that corrupt our mind. I'm talking this morning about a battle of the mind that goes on in us today. Now, I'm the world's worst. And I get up sometimes in the morning. The first thing I want to do at some point on my way to work, uh, turn on the radio and hear what's going on in the news. Or on my lunch break, I'll look up, you know, a news article, find out what's going on in the world. If you do too much of that, there's not a whole lot of good news that they put out anymore. Matter of fact, I could challenge you right now. We're not going to do it. But I could challenge you right now to get out your phone and type in the website of your favorite news company. And I guarantee you, that the first five news stories you're going to find on there are not going to be positive. Because that does not attract viewers. Matter of fact, matter of fact, how about this? Now this will really take you back. This is the way our world works, okay? I'm not preaching against news organizations. I think we ought to be well aware of what's going on in our world. I mean, we're bearing the witness in this world. We need to know what's going on in it. But we were at men's conference, I think, two years ago. And Brother Tim Gaddy was preaching. And he was preaching to men, you understand, who are subject to unique temptations as men. And he said, what I want you to do, I want you to get out your phone. He said, I'm giving you permission to get out your phone in church right now. And so every man got out his phone. And he said, I want you to type in foxnews.com. And everybody went to foxnews.com. He said, I'm about to prove a point to you. He said, I have not looked at this page today. I've not been to this news page today. But I can promise you that there is going to be a headline somewhere as you scroll through this page that's going to say something about a woman that's going to want, make you want to click that and go look at the picture of this woman. And he said, now when you see it, don't click on it. He said, this is what we're preaching about. But sure enough, we got on there and there was some story right in the middle of all of it. You won't believe what so-and-so wore to this, you know, talking about how it was, you know, barely had anything on. What I'm trying to tell you today is if you allow yourself to dwell on such things, sometimes it takes you down a road that you know you never imagined you would go down. The whole goal of some of these places is to get you sucked in and to get you trapped in. They know that that's going to sell. 
They know that that's going to catch your eyes. And all of a sudden you're captured into something that maybe you didn't even plan on getting into when you got there. We've got to guard our minds. Amen. Um, I'm preaching a little deep this morning. I know that perhaps you didn't expect to hear that on Sunday morning teaching. But this is truth, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, this is the world yes. we're living in. They are putting out headlines, posts, things that will catch your attention and get you to, if nothing else, click on that link and go to that website so you can see all that they're going to present you with. And it's all going to corrupt the mind that God's trying to put in order. There's two forces in our world. There's a force of God that's pushing us toward His plan, what He wants us to do. And at the same time, there's a competing force that says, I can't have that. Come on. Today, our church is very moved in the direction of what God wants to do. But by the same token, there is a spirit that's saying, I'm not going to have that. And it's setting up obstacles yes, for your mind to be Come trapped on. and to get into things that you never thought that you would. And in doing that, Satan wants to rip apart the mind, the mind of Christ that we've talked about, that God's trying to piece together in you. This is, this is the challenge that we're fighting today. It's so important. You're not going to hear a whole lot of preaching on this. That we dwell on things that are pure and lovely and holy. Things that are of good report. You don't realize how much that can build up in your mind. Before it takes over. And so... Um, the working of God in the human spirit. We're talking about being used of God. Amen. Okay. Talking about being used of God. In order to do that, we've got to have a mind that dwells on things that are good. Yes. Dwells on the good things. The word of God. Prayer. We think and ponder and consider the word of God. That's what we're doing this morning. And we pray. And in doing that, we think on things which are good. The psalmist said, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved because God is at my right hand. I've set him always before me. And because of that, I'm not going to be, like the scripture says, blown about by every wind of doctrine. I'm not going to be pushed by the winds of this world because he's set always before me. There's another scripture that said, uh, help me out somebody. Set no unclean thing before your eyes. Or is it unholy? Something to that effect. When you begin to do that, you're taking God away from before you. And your focus is no longer on God. And prayer is essential in every bit of this. You are not going to be able, hear me today, you're not going to be able to, to take dominion over your mind if you don't pray. Amen. There's Amen. no way. That's right. There's no way. Your mind will drift. The only way you can focus on God is to pray to God, to talk yes, to God, Lord. to make conversation with God. And when you do that, he'll give you power over the mind. Paul encouraged the believers to pray because he knew that prayer is the way that all the things we believe in, and all the things that Christ has won for us actually become our strength. We talk about promises of God. We talk about the gifts of God. What God wants to do in us. The only way we activate those things is through prayer. 
And you're never ever going to be able to develop spiritual senses like God wants for you and God-ordained abilities like God wants for you. You can't even become the person that God really wants you to be in God without prayer. It's the only way. And I could tell you all kinds of things today that you could practice and put in order. But there is nothing that I could equip you with this morning. There's nothing I could preach. There's nothing, no eloquent sermon that I could give you that's going to help you any more than me telling you that prayer, daily prayer, is essential for your life. Yes, it is. That's not sugarcoating it. That's not how some people are going to preach it in churches today. But I'm just going to tell you the truth. Your prayer life needs to grow. Yes, it, it needs to grow. It needs to become more than just Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday before dinners and breakfast and things like that. It's got to be a walk with God. A conversation that you have with God. Amen. And when we pray, God works. And He begins to work in us. Now, th this book that we're reading in, Philippians, Paul was sending this letter to the, to the Philippian church. The church in Philippi. And uh, once again, we find him locked in jail. You know, Paul's just a jailbird. And he writes letters from jail. And they've established this church. And it's quite possible that Paul and his team took heart when obstacles in Philippi come upon them. And they remembered the word that God had brought to them in the region. They began to suffer some obstacles and things come against them. And when God asks us to do something and he wants to use us, we're talking about being used of God. When he does that, it doesn't always go the way we thought it would probably go, but we don't freak out about that. Because if God's asked you to do something, I think he knows how it's going to all hash out in the end. Right. It may not go the way you thought it would. <clears throat> Things may not take place in the order you think that they should or the time that you think that they should. But we can't freak out about that because if he's asked us to do it, this is the same guy, remember, that put planets, actually put our planet in just the right spot in the solar system to where it gets enough sunlight to where you're going to have the vegetables that we're going to have for lunch this morning. He sets it all in order that way. I think if he asks us to do something, we probably ought not freak out when it doesn't go the way we thought it would. That's Are you right. with me this morning? Come on. Sometimes we can be a little bit foolish. Yes. And think that God's just, well, you know, God told me to do this, and then I guess he took his coffee break. And, you know, and now I've got to figure out how to deal with it. No, 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 no. God is not bound by time. <clears throat> That's him. right. He don't have a watch that he has to worry about. He doesn't clock in and out for work every day. He doesn't have to sleep. The only reason he had a seventh day of rest is for you and me. We don't need to worry about God's schedule. He's got it all in order. He's making out your schedule. He's got it all in order. And so don't worry about when it doesn't work out. 
Take heart in the word that God's given you and what he's asked you to do and just do it. Amen. And it'll all work out. Amen. And this is being used of God. And all these things begin to happen when they arrived in Philippi. Uh, and I'm just going to show you real quick some of the things that happened in this church. Some of the amazing things that took place. Lydia, we read about in Scripture, was converted. Paul cast out a demon from a slave girl. And because of this, he and Silas were severely beaten and thrown in jail without the benefit of a trial. And at midnight, we know that Paul and Silas were singing, giving praise to God. And all of a sudden, an earthquake shook the jail loose and all the chains. And not just them, but all the other people that was around them. And they were rescued by God from this jail cell because of their worship. That's a whole other message we can talk about today. And then the jailer was convinced of God's power and of his need for salvation, was about to commit suicide. And they approached him and prevented that. And he and his family were converted. They turned their lives over to God. And the next morning, when the officials in the city were going to let them go, Paul demanded an audience with the city officials. He said, I want to talk to every one of you boys. Let's all get together. I want to have a conversation. And the city officials were apologetic and fearful of having beaten Roman citizens without a trial, which was Paul. And uh, the officials asked Paul and Silas to leave the city because they were afraid that their actions would cause a stir in Rome. They shook this place up so much that the most powerful men were doing anything they could trying to negotiate with them about it. You're changing the place too much, being used of God. These were the amazing things that were going on in the church of Philippi where Paul was writing to. And he begins in saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, Rejoice. The first thing that Paul wanted this church to know in all the struggle that they were going through of being used for God, that what you got to do is be full of joy. That's right. You people watched me be arrested and put in jail because I was doing God's work, and we sang the walls down. You got to be joyful. Yes. You got to have a praise about you. In living for God. Amen. And Paul issued this command to rejoice always. And he said in Philippians chapter 3. Finally my brethren rejoice in the Lord. How many times is he going to say this? You know he makes it so clear. He commanded them to rejoice no matter the circumstances. No matter what was going on in their family. Their personal life. What happened earlier today. What just happened. Anybody found themselves in a jail cell today? I don't think that's anybody. Well, I hope not. Amen. But Paul sat there and said, we're going to sing and we're going to praise God until he gets us out of this situation. Challenges God in that. Whatever you're going through today, you're not at that extent right now. I believe you can worship your way out of it. Amen. I believe that's possible. I, yes. I just feel a little bit of a hang-up right here. If you've got a problem with worship and praise in your life, it's time for some change. Come on, that's right. We, we've talked about already in here, we're going to be a prayerful church. 
we're also going to be a praising church. Yeah. Amen. In whatsoever state we're in, we're going to be a worshipful. We're going to rejoice in the Lord. And again, we say we're going to rejoice in everything. Oh, hallelujah. I can remember personally uh, sitting in the parsonage over there and watching the building that sat here burst into flames as a young man. And we sat in the living room. Brother and Sister Sheldon was there. I think maybe Dana was there. You were sick. There was, there was one or two other people, maybe it was the Wilsons. And the tears that were flowing at just the loss of a landmark of this building that it was, it was terrible. But then at some point, I remember Brother Shelton just giving worship to God. Shocked the daylights out of me as a young man how anybody could do that. But you know what? He made up his mind that whatsoever state I'm going to be in. I put labor into that building. I put labor into that church. I put a lot into it, and I'm watching it pass away. But I'm going to worship God. Praise God. That ought to shake us today. Amen. No matter what changes around us, the surroundings, possessions, family, He's still worthy of praise. Yes, He is. Hmm. He don't change. No, He don't. And after all that, maybe He didn't even know sitting in that living room what His praise was about. But you look at this building we're in now. My, 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 my. I think that praise is worth giving. I think it was. I think it is today. Amen. Where all God has brought the revival that's happening now. Yes. How worthy He is of praise. Praise. What God. a mighty God He is. In whatsoever state that we're in, He deserves praise. And so our duty, hear me on this as Christians, is to rejoice in the Lord always. Amen. Always. Amen. There's not a moment He's not worth rejoicing in. And if we don't have a developed praise about us in our life, we can't, I'm telling you, if we can't come into the house of God, we worship, we've got to change our attitude. Yes, we do. Something's got to change. We've got to have a praise, and it ought not to have to be cheerleading. Because I'm going to tell you what's terrible, Brother March, is if somebody has to convince us of how good God is. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Amen. At some point, we have to be able to step back as we walk into his house without anybody telling us, Come on. and that's helpful sometimes, and say, my God is good. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to worship him. Praise God. Yeah, that person did me wrong, but I'm going to worship God. As some people, their praise is that because somebody took their seat. I do not understand. And I pray as I minister to this church that nobody ever comes up to me with that. Amen. You know what you need to do? You need to not worry about anybody else. 
and get your mind stayed on Jesus. Yes, amen. Worship. Look at all the other seats he's given us. Worship about that. Yeah. That we're going to fill up. Yes. Amen. I, you know what? I hope they do take my seat so I can stand up and worship. <laughs> my, my, my. Sometimes we got to take our mind off things. I'm telling you, dwell on things. Things that are nothing. They are nothing. And they hinder our worship. They hinder our walk with God. Yes, they do. Amen. Joy is almost always accompanied in Scripture with a physical action. Because I was joyful, therefore I did this. Because I had joy in the Lord... I shout. I leap for joy. They never just said, well, you know, I got joy. And, and there was always something that came along with it. If you got joy, that's overflowing of happiness about something. It, it, it's a cause for response to yes. that. Something's got to happen. Yeah. You got to do something with that joy. Amen. Amen. That's praise today. And so I want to challenge you this morning. Paul, matter of fact, don't even think that I'm challenging you. I'm reading it to you from the scripture. Hallelujah. And Paul says, rejoice. Rejoice. Do something about your joy this morning before this service is over. Amen. Any believer who is serious about being conformed <coughs> to the image of God, you want to have Jesus showing through you, you have to have praise in your heart. You've got to have joy in your heart. Amen. And it takes the focus off of circumstances. That's why they were singing. It takes the focus off all those things. When people rejoice in the world, they can't spend the whole time focusing on their struggles. I promise you, I promise you, if I stopped everything right now and got the book out and we started singing when we all get to heaven, you'd we sing it long enough, you'd forget about it. Whatever it is you're dwelling on today. Amen. <laughs> you, you'd forget about it. You, you know you would. I don't like to do it today. You know you would. So what happens when you get to dwelling on things that are good and holy. Amen. The emphasis that Paul had is clear. Just, just let me help you today. Do something out of the ordinary in your praise today and see if God don't respond to that. Do something out of the ordinary. Amen. Now, he goes on and says, Let your moderation be known unto all men, for the Lord is at hand. And he begins to talk about the Lord's, uh, the, the Lord is at hand. He's talking about his soon coming return. It says moderation, we mentioned a minute ago that it's gentleness. Gentleness, amen, and kindness. We ought to be a kind people. We ought to have people that's got kindness in our hearts. And I mentioned, uh, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before that. I know that seems like uh, a heart, well, uh, kind of a general, silly thing that we would talk, spend too much time on kindness. But the fact is, some of us need kindness in our hearts. Amen. Some of us just need to learn to be kind. Yes. That's hard for some of us. Some of us don't like being around people that much in general. I'm that way sometimes. Sometimes, you know what I want to do? I want to go out on the lake where people can't get to me. The only thing that I want getting to me is every fish in the lake. Preach. Amen. That don't excuse me from having kindness in my heart toward people. That's right. 
I got to be kind. We, we've got to be kind to people and have gentleness. He said, let moderation, your moderation, your kindness be known unto all men. You want to be known for it. People ought to know you for the fact of how kind you are to folks. How well you treat people. Amen. And then uh, he goes into a section talking about prayer. And he says, do not worry. Verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I will say that last part again. But in everything, by prayer, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Cares and anxiousness, worry, distract the church from fulfilling its mission. Amen. You can worry about so much that you can't even do the will of God in your life. Come on. You get bogged down. by, And you know what that is? When we worry so much, we don't want to hear this, but we worry, it's because we've not given it all to God. That's right. Worry is a normal human instinct. It's something we do, but it's not what a child of God does. I don't, in the scripture where they were locked in jail, find any indication of worry whatsoever. The people were singing hymns. That don't indicate worry to me. They were rejoicing in the Lord. Yes. That doesn't indicate worry to me. When we're met with something like that, our first instinct is always going to be what we're going to do about it, but we've got to turn it over to God fully and release the worry. Prayer is still the answer today. You're going to get sick and tired of hearing me say prayer. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to keep on saying it yes. and keep on saying it because it's the only answer, and it's revival. Yes, amen. How about I, I just make it as simple as I possibly can today? If we want more revival, pray. If we want more revival, pray. That's how it's going to happen. The antidote to anxiousness is prayer. Yes. The deliverance from worry is prayer. When you turn it all over to God like it ought to be. It's the best way forward for somebody who's overcome with worry. And then he says the key to doing this, to really overcome these things. Now this is curious. This little phrase that he tacks on to some of that. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. It's tough to move God by only submitting requests. It's tough to move God by only submitting requests to Him, which a lot of times is all that we do in prayer. That's something we've tried to change the culture of in our prayer as we've moved in it in this church is we're going to go through the tabernacle plan. So the first thing that we do is not Lord, heal Uncle Sam, and, and Joe from, you know, and we start just piling on every request at the beginning. It's hard to move God because God is not a coin machine. Okay? 
Now, there's times when we've got to call on him in the moment, but we ought to start with something else like thanksgiving. Scripture does say, enter his courts with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. And I took some time this week to step back and think about all the things that God has blessed me with, all the benefits he's loaded up on me. And when you stand back and do that, you really stand back. You tell me if you can still work. Amen. When you see what all God has blessed you with, what he's piled upon your life, your family. I mean, you're here right now. You've got food. You've got shelter. God's blessed you with all these things. It just drives out the worry in our lives. It's got to be a part of our prayer life. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And until we realize, hear me today, that prayer is far more than just a time of petition and requests, we will not experience the deep chambers of prayer that God has opened to us. They're accessible for those who have just become thrilled with conversing with God. They're just thrilled to talk with God. He opens up new doors to those people. It's got to become more than just the request time. Yeah. Worry prevents us from living for God because it distracts us from His greatness. We begin to look on all these other things. But what's that song that says, uh, turn your eyes upon Jesus? Look full, not partly. <clears throat> Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. Is that not powerful? Praise God. We ought to turn our eyes upon Jesus. Lord. Yes, amen. You get so consumed with all these things that just bog your mind down, you know. Some things don't even have anything to do with you. But when we turn our eyes upon him, all of a sudden those things begin to drift away and fade. And, and it's an empty vessel all of a sudden that he can work in. We've, all these things have drifted away and he begins to pour out and fill his spirit. And all of a sudden there's a vessel that he can use. I'm talking about being used of God today. The first step, we've got to clean out our mind. Get our mind clean of all those things that don't belong. And, and you won't have to do too much of it because he's just going to cause those things to grow strangely dim. And all of a sudden, you've got to focus on his glory, the glory of God. Maybe you can't even see it. Like, they, like has happened in some services in the apostolic movement, you hear about the Shekinah glory that is observed in a service. I've been in a service like that. Yes. Where you stop and look around at what all God is doing in that place, and you all of a sudden see there's like an aura in that room of the glory of God. You know what's happened? The cares of the world of all these people in this room have grown strangely dim. And all that is left is His glory. Right. And everybody's staring into His face. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine a moment like that? 
Did you know that can happen in your life? Yes. Is somebody with me this morning? Right. Everything that you worry about can grow strangely dim. I want you to stop right now and think of the biggest challenge that's facing your life. What's the biggest struggle you deal with? The one thing that you could say, or maybe it's a couple things, maybe you can't point out one. The one thing that hinders you the most, the, the thing that you're asking God to do something about. What if God just for a minute today caused that to deal out and replaced it with the light of his glory? You're unhindered from whatever that is. He says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. If you allow him to take that burden off of you today, you know how you do it? It's not hard. You focus on Jesus. You focus on Jesus. And he begins to remove things. You know what God does in a church service, in an altar call, even in your prayer time? He takes things that don't belong out of you and he places into you things that have always belonged. And in doing that, we become more like him. Things fade away. And then some things come to fruition. You know what I had to do this week? I've mowed my lawn, I think, three times this year so far. But I've never been able to weed it. Something's come up. And so I've just cut it as close as I could, you know. Made it look as neat as possible. But there come a time this week where I had to grab a weed eater and go to work. But so much was let grow up in those spots that it became a chore. And when I walked into the house, I looked like a jolly green giant with all the grass was on me. I had to take a shower. But if you let things grow up, I'm digging a little deep this morning. Things grow up that don't belong and they're choking out growth that God's trying to bring up. Seeds have been planted. It can happen. But all this has got to be cut out and be removed. Somebody's got to go out and get the weed eater. put their focus on God and all of a sudden those things begin to fade out they fade away and you've got this perfect vision with which to do the will of God and he's ordering your steps he's giving you the words to speak the actions to take because things have faded away we're living in a world today that its whole goal, everything it's trying to do, is grow up something else here that can take away from your time and your focus here and, and spend money on this and, and, and take time and priority doing that. Just adding another complicated thing to our lives. And sometimes you just got to step back and put everything into the focus it's supposed to be. Amen. You know, part of what God has done in this church is say the focus has always been prayer. If we don't have a sermon, if we don't have a song, if we don't have a class, if you just pray, I'll pour out of my spirit. 
Sometimes it's really simple. We just got to focus off of everything else and turn our eyes upon Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of, everybody say, good report. Good report. If it's of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. <clears throat> what we've got to do before anything else, we've got to make sure we've got a praise in our soul. Amen. I'm talking about if we want to be used of God. Don't nobody get used of God if they don't have worship in their heart. A person who's got a heart for God, like David did, a man after God's own heart, what do we find him doing? Dancing as the king before everybody. They gotta have praise. And then they've got to be willing to let God take dominion over their mind and wipe away and have good report on their mind. If that means taking away some things that they've dwelt on daily, if it means that they'll dwell on godly things, so be it. But we want to be used of God, don't we? Yes, amen. Anybody want to be used of God? All right. I believe this is a church that wants to be used of God. And if we're going to do that, if we're going to do that, let's start with the first thing. Let's start with a rejoicing in our hearts. Would you lift your hands across this room right now? I want you to do what we talked about. Give God up a praise.